Now y'all might remember when I was in here last, up here last time, uh, I started out on the Book of Ruth and I went along so far and I quit and uh, I told you next time I was up here I would, I would come back into Book of Ruth and that's what I'm gonna do this morning. Uh, first of all, I'm gonna give you a recap of, of uh, chapter one and most of chapter two. Uh, as we spoke the last time, uh, about Ruth, we discussed that God is really in control of our lives whether we know it or if we don't. Especially when we don't know it, God is still in control of our lives. And uh, sometimes the difficult seasons in life that we go through brings us closer to God and brings God closer to us. We, we tend to, uh, when things are good, we don't really thank God for everything that's going good in our lives, but you let things get a little tough, uh, that's the first person we turn to is, is the Lord. Now, the, the title of today's, I'm gonna try this clicker. I don't know if I can get this to work or not. That's not right. There we go. That's our title of today's sermon, Stepping Up and Stepping Out. Should we wait or should we initiate? Uh, I think that sometimes God might be waiting on us to make the first move. You know, if y'all remember the story uh, in the Old Testament where the Levite priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they were walking along here and they had to walk off into the Jordan River, which is way more than Grosbeck Creek, I assure you. And they had to take that first step for their foot to touch the water before God dried up the river so they could cross across. And they had to have a lot of faith because I don't know how deep that was right there where they were to step off. But if you're carrying something heavy on your shoulder and you can't see the bottom or where you're putting your feet, it took a lot of faith for them to step out onto that water so that God could do his work. Now, back in chapter 2, chapter 1 and 2, if you remember, Naomi had lost everything she had. She lost her husband, both of her sons, any property that she might have had. And they were hungry. I mean, they didn't even have anything to eat. And so, in desperation, she and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, took, went back to Bethlehem in search of food. They had heard that it had rained there and there was food for them to eat. And so uh, uh, they headed back across the desert, across the mountains, quite a trek for them to take on foot uh, as they got back to, uh, to Bethlehem to just be in search of food. Now, when they had left Bethlehem years earlier, I think it said like 10 years earlier, uh, they had owned land there uh, Ruth was not yet married to her husband and uh, they stayed about 10 years in Moab because there was food there there was no food in Bethlehem when she left I'm trying to get my thoughts together and so after about 10 years when she had lost her son she was left with, uh, Naomi was left with two stepdaughters. One of them went back to her people, but 
Ruth stuck with her, and they came on back to Bethlehem. And uh, uh, for a while, after they got back to Bethlehem, everything was good. People were bringing them food and helping them out. But after a while, you know how news is. Sometimes news gets old. And the, the fact that they had come back into town, people had quit helping them out, and they were once again hungry. So this brings us to uh, Ruth going out to glean grain in a field. It was time for the barley harvest. And out of dozens of fields that were not marked, I mean, they didn't have fences or anything like we do now, but out of dozens of fields that she could have went to, she ended up in one that belonged to Boaz. Well, Boaz was a... a considerably older than she was and uh, he kind of took favor with her when he saw her out there picking the grain and uh, uh, t told her to stay with his servant girls and even told all the men that were working in the grain not to touch her. He instructed the men to allow her to glean the best grain, even leaving some extra for her to take home to Naomi. She worked hard all day and had quite a bit of grain to bring home. I'm going to back up here in Ruth chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, 19 through 20. After she got back home, her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today was Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. So I'm going to give you all a little lesson about a redeemer this morning. What a kinsman redeemer is, if I can find it on here. A kinsman redeemer in Hebrew is goel. That's how it's pronounced. And a goel is someone within the family who has the legal right and financial means to restore things that a family has lost. Remember, Ruth had lost everything. These are the four basic things that a goel can do. He can buy back and reclaim lost property. He can buy out the contract of a family that might have been of a family member that might have been forced into slavery. He can avenge the murder of a family member. And number four here, this is the one we're going to be looking at this morning. He can redeem the wife of a deceased relative by marrying her and raising an heir for the departed husband. So I'm going to read on here and finish up the rest of this chapter 2. Uh, then Ruth, the Moabitess, because she's not a Jew. Ruth, the Moabitess, said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they have finished harvesting all my grain. Well, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. 
and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, the grain harvest back in those days was not like it is here. They didn't have combines, they didn't have trucks. Uh, everything that they did was done by hand. They had to go out and cut the barley, tighten bundles, carry it to a town or to the threshing floor. They used their feet to stomp on the heads of grain to knock the grain out, blow away the chaff, and it was a, quite a lengthy process. Uh, in fact, from the research that I did, it says it takes about, the harvest takes about two months worth of time for them from the time they start till they finish getting the barley and the wheat harvested if the weather's good. Now, uh, we're gonna fast forward a couple of months from the start of harvest to the end of the harvest. And uh, uh, Naomi has noticed that Boaz is been taking an interest uh, in Ruth. We talked about that the last time I was up here. He was showing her special favor amongst all the other girls there. And the mother-in-law, Naomi, is kind of got, a, her gears are kind of working. She's thinking, well, dang, it's been nice to have food here the last two months. And uh, he is our family redeemer. Uh, but dang, he's just not moving fast enough. I've, I'm wishing he would uh, do something with, with Ruth. So uh, she had also learned that there was another Goel in the family, and one that she didn't particularly care for, but she really liked Boaz. So as time is closing in now, the grain harvest is over with, uh, Naomi has, kind of has a plan. So we're going to go to chapter 3, I give y'all what, what they call it, John, a spoiler alert. Uh, this is this is kind of kind of risk risque. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, "My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for." Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight. He will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed, and then in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. Now, I can see where a bath would be a good idea. Uh, some subjects, or some research I've done on the subject tells me that all this time that he has seen her, she's been wearing her mourning clothes, mourning the death of her lost husband. So actually Boaz has never seen her in anything, but I, I don't know what, what the mourning clothes are, but she was not dressed up. She was just dressed to work. So, uh, Ruth, went to the, uh, well, let me finish reading this next page. So Naomi says, when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And, that, and Ruth says, I will do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now, Boaz 
I think was about, from what I've discovered, he's about 64, 65 years old at the time. And Ruth was mid to late 20s. And uh, uh, can you imagine what it would have been like to Boaz if he was laying there on the threshing floor, sacked out, he'd been having a little wine and uh, looking at his big pile of barley and he was in a good mood. And uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night and there's somebody laying there at his feet. And he says, who are you? Let me read a little more here on number seven, or verse seven. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now, this is the same thing in their tradition as a proposal for marriage. She is actually, by performing this act, by laying down his feet, is saying, I want you to marry me. I'm through with my mourning for my first husband. Uh, I'm ready to move on in my life, and I want you, you to be a part of it. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. So if you remember back when we were talking about a kinsman redeemer, he is, she is wanting him to marry her as a kinsman redeemer. So... Here's what he says. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed me earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow kinsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is, a true, although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me that shawl that you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. Then Ruth came to her mother-in-law. Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? This is after the night. How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So, the lesson I'm trying to get across this morning is this. Have you ever been praying for something? Uh, maybe uh, 
a change in your life, a, a new job, maybe you're not getting along with your uh, siblings or a family member, and you, you're waiting for God to uh, make a move, tell you what to do. You're sitting here and say, God, tell me what I need to do. Where do I go from here? But sometimes I think God is waiting on us to make the first move, just like the priests did when they were uh, going to cross the Jordan River. And maybe sometimes we need to be more like Naomi was. I, I would like to have known Naomi because she seemed to me to be a, an older woman with a lot of wisdom and knowledge about how things work. You know, she'd been to the very rock bottom of not having anything, and now she's uh, back in Bethlehem. She has a, a promise of a better life from this point forward. Uh, if her daughter, Ruth, in fact, gets to marry Boaz, which we'll come back to uh, next time I'm up here. Uh, but you see, God, he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He expects us to make mistakes. And if we step out and make a move, if it's not the right move, it doesn't take too long till God lets us know that we shouldn't have done that. I mean, there's not any of us in here that has not made a mistake, and maybe some big ones. But sometimes we do things and we're a little bit iffy about it, but it's really what God wanted us to do all along. So my point is, if, have you been holding out on making a decision, waiting on God to show you a sign? If so, good. But if, if you feel compelled to make a move, to, to go ahead and, and uh, change your life i invite you this morning as we uh come to our time of invitation to come forward and uh would it be for prayer to join this church if, if whatever you would like we invite you to come forward this morning and that about wraps it up what i've got here uh let's pray heavenly father i thank you this morning for this lesson about Naomi, her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And Lord, I can appreciate the boldness that Ruth had doing exactly what her mother-in-law advised her to do. Uh, I can't imagine how it would have been to go to a threshing floor full of men in the dark and, and to be afraid that you might go to the wrong person there. Uh, that would have been catastrophic, but we know, Lord, that your hand guided her it was part of your magnificent plan for for our lord and savior uh, lord we just ask that you would be with us now as we uh, sing our song of invitation and we pray it in your name amen